Good morning. Welcome to our youth service today. My name is Jack, for you who don't know me. Um, uh, we've got our youth band just over here, ready to play some songs. Um, we've got our talk today from Will. Um, so without any further ado, I'd like to welcome up Harvey and Pete Joani for our first talk of today. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Um, as some of you might know, um, we uh, went away uh, with a number of the youth uh, to Soul Survivor, what seems like ages ago now. It was back at the beginning of August. Um, many of you very kindly supported us, uh, especially with Natalie, who came with us uh, and put up with us for the week. Um, and to those of you that uh, supported, whether financially or in prayer, um, we very much appreciate that. Um, so we thought we'd uh, like to take this, this moment to share a bit with you um, about what happened at Soul Survivor um, and about uh, what things we did. Um, me interviewing Harvey is a last-minute change, so um, if I ask him the wrong questions, he'll tell me. Um, so, Harvey, um, what was the thing? What, what is Soul Survivor? Firstly, very briefly. Uh, Soul Survivor is a Christian camp kind of thing based in Stafford. The week we went, and um, it's just a place where we can all go and praise God. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, how many times have you been to Soul Survivor before? Uh, that was my first year, so. Uh, and what, uh, what did you enjoy most about Soul Survivor? Uh, I think the kind of range of things you can actually do because there's kind of four sets of seminars and then there's also two main meetings in the morning and in the afternoon. Nice. Uh, and I think, Harvey, out of the us that went, had the record for most seminars attended, I think. How many did you attend? Uh, I think about seven or something like that. <laughs> but seven is, is a pretty big commitment because some of them are like at nine, nine in the morning, which when you're camping is very early. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, what kind of activities were there uh, to get involved in around the site? Um, there was five-a-side football, which we were going to get involved in, but then um, we didn't. Uh. I, think, I think we chose to go to seminars instead and <laughs> learn more about God and play football. Um, there was the fancy dress night on the last night, which was... Um, Entertaining. <laughs> what, what did you go as, Harvey? Uh, I went as the crocodile uh, from uh, Peter Pan. Kind of um, the theme was, for those that don't know, the theme was what you wanted to be when you were five. <laughs> <laughs> I must so, say, shout outs to uh, Pete as a Teletubby and Will as Superman. <laughs> yeah. These were last minute Tesco editions, I think. Didn't they? Uh, where's we have? We had a. Did we have a cow? Someone was a cow, weren't they? Yeah, there were a couple of cows. Lucy was, somehow managed to be a cow three years in a row. <laughs> I was an angry bird. Jack, Jack went for the ultimate cop-out, I think. He went for a footballer. So he just got to wear... Well, we all looked really silly. He just had to wear a football shirt, which I wish I'd thought of before I went, uh, but sadly not. Um, so, Harvey, um, you went to loads of seminars. Mm-hmm. What, was your, uh, what seminar was the most influential on you? Um... Oh, I can't remember the name. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was Yummy Yummy in My Tummy Tim by Ross. Tim Ross. <laughs> yeah. I think, what, what was that about? Because for those that haven't been, Yummy Yummy in My Tummy, it sounds like a really weird topic for a talk about God and the Bible. Uh, so what was it about? Uh, it's essentially just like read your Bible kind of thing. And uh, it got to about halfway through and he just, just kind of like scrap all the steps, just read it. Decent. So, yeah. Um, and uh, what was your funniest funniest memory? Definitely our kind of group tent. Um, or swing ball. 
Uh, yeah, swing ball got quite competitive. Um, gladly, no youth were majorly injured in playing a swing ball. It turns out me and Emily are both extremely competitive, uh, and so is Harvey. And the swing ball might not have come back in one piece. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say about Soul Survivor? Because I'm out of questions. Uh, <laughs> I think if I was to like sum up Soul Survivor in like a, a word, it sounds a bit cliche, but it would just, it's just amazing, like what you can do in the amount of time that you're there. So yeah. Awesome. Um, and do you want to go again next year? Uh, yeah. Sweet. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Ian. Just a couple of quick announcements before we, we carry on with our, our service. In a moment, I'll publish some bands of marriage. But firstly, a big... Let's talk about Soul Survivor next year, first of all. So next year, we're thinking of going to Soul Survivor. So if you've got a, a child who... or who might be interested in going. We're going to try and get it organised this year before the end of October half term. So if you want to go, we're going to go to Stafford again. And the dates are roughly the 4th to the 9th of August. So there'll be something that will come out if you're a, if you're a parent of, of, a, of a member of the, of the church's youth. So if you'd like to think about that, then we're giving you a bit of notice about that now. So you can hear a bit more about that and what's, what's gone on if you want later on. Secondly, to say a big thank you. A big thank you to everyone who, who over the summer in law why they can't marry each other then you you have to declare it now and that's good that's two weeks out of three done jack really good opportunities out there for everyone involved um and soul survivor as well i've been going to soul survivor for the last four years and it's been really uh, influential for my relationship with jesus so i'd recommend it for anyone considering soul survivor um, now we're going to welcome Indigo to the front to talk about her experiences in Soul Survivor. Oh no, South Africa. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. Um, over the summer, I travelled out to South Africa to do something God put on my heart over a year ago, to volunteer. With personal roots in South Africa and with a passion for our global community, I couldn't help but follow what God had put on my heart and the passion he'd given me for his people. And this is mostly what this talk's about, passion. At the end of my fortnight volunteering, I condensed the most important thoughts down into a short blog post, which I hope to read to you all. Routines that make you stationary despite your constant movement. Empty moments that let you wander. Safety nets that become barriers. None of these can be found in South Africa. Whether sharing in vibrant township community or greeting new people in the heart of Cape Town, everyone has a passion for life. This outlook and perspective on life has been an eye-opening experience, encouraging me to look at how much more there is. Each moment is such a gift. I have, through seeing the resourceful and imaginative people in townships, learned that each item, moment and person is of great value and can enhance your life if you're only willing to embrace it. At home, routines are too easily formed and scarcely broken. Days passed, each the same as the last, and moments fade into one. With blinkers on, life seems to be like an ongoing tunnel. Coming here has taught me to remove those blinkers, revealing gold dust that I couldn't previously see before through my narrow outlook. 
Each and every person is a wealth of knowledge, joy, love and possibility waiting to be shared. A moment I will never forget was seeing the look on the nursery teacher's face as she watched her class play and develop. The love, warmth and positively radiated from her. Seeing that even in this everyday moment there was such beauty was precious. Her relaxed yet authoritative aura transcended schedules and lesson plans and encouraged teaching and living with a passion for life. I believe that the Western world has lost the relaxed passion that South Africa shows so well, the ability to love the little things and live in the moment. Nelson Mandela wisely said, everyone can rise above their circumstances and achieve success if they are dedicated to and passionate about what they do. I believe this to be immensely powerful and prevalent in the small part of South Africa that I have been privileged enough to see. Each person has shown kindness, warmth, and passion to the people around them without any bitterness or regret. I've seen passion in hanging laundry, collecting younger siblings from school, and simply saying hello. It might be a small task, but with the drive and love these people carry, a large impact is created. Having now seen and experienced this passion for life, I'm eager to see and implement the impact outside of South Africa for not only handcrafted souvenirs to travel home with me, but a passion for life that will travel like wildfire, spreading in my island community and then outwards into our shared world. Seeing the bright and joyous passion for life in South Africa has given me a drive to see our world on fire with passion, a flame that will never die. Embrace each moment, light your fire and bring out your passion for life. As cliche as it may sound, I strongly believe we have an amazing potential to be people of great passion and love, to display Jesus in every moment of our lives by aspiring to live as courageously and faith-driven as he did. Thank you. Thank you very much, Indigo. Uh, I'd just like to invite the youth band to come up to the stage um, and sing our first hymn. from Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 16 to 19 and can be found on page 942 to 943 on the Pew Bibles. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come to the nations invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, 
though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to go on the heights. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, I'm just going to pray for Will before uh, he brings us uh, his, his word that he's, uh, be, that he's been given this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you, thank you so much for, for Will, um, for the heart that he has for you and for, uh, for your people as well, Lord. Um, thank you for the, um, the word that you've given him this morning. And we just pray this morning that uh, his words will be your words, Lord, and that we might all uh, truly take something away from this morning uh, that will impact us in our daily lives. Amen. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying the service so far. <laughs> Just a little plug. <laughs> uh, what you need to know at the moment is that Habakkuk was a minor prophet in the Old Testament before the Babylonians took over Judah, where God's people were at that moment, right at that time. I came across this book uh, a couple weeks ago when I was invited to my mum's house group in town. When I, say, about four years ago, when I was 15, if I was invited to a house group, my mum was the previous youngster of that group before I came along. I think I would have run in the opposite direction, <laughs> fear of boredom. However, four years on, I must be feeling very holy when I said yes, I would love to come. For a week, because a, a week later, my mum came home about seven o'clock in the morning because the house group's at eight. And I don't know why, but I was the most tired I'd been in years. And still being a teenager, just that tiredness turned into the foulest mood I've been in for at least five days. <laughs> um, so the whole time of me getting dressed and the whole sequence of me going to this house group, I was thinking, this is going to be the worst thing ever. And I was awaiting it for it to be terrible. However, when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised because God really showed me how I was studying his word and how he speaks today to all of us. It could change on me completely. I was rejoicing in the fact for the rest of that day. And the book we were studying was actually Habakkuk. Uh, yeah. So the book Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, as some theologians would say, uh, it's an exciting book in the Bible. It's, it's one of the only ones, if not the only book in the Bible, where we can see straight questions answered by God. I think that's pretty cool. Today I'm going to split the book into four different parts. Uh, I've got the burden, which is that man holding a big weight, the watch, the vision, and the praising of God rejoicing. Now let's begin with the burden. Now at the beginning of this book, Habakkuk is faced with a lot of evil in the land of Judah. He feels so downhearted that he complains to the guy in charge. God, obviously. <laughs> he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for your help, but you do not listen? Or cry out violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you toy wrong? What stood out to me most here was that Habakkuk was so confident in what he said. He saw the word in torment, turmoil, and it broke his heart. He asked difficult questions, and he took these questions boldly and confidently to God. And God answered them with an avalanche of proof and prediction. I mean, come on, isn't that great to see? God answers your complaints and your worries if you go to him. God wants us to come to him. And with our, with our struggles and doubts, however, like Habakkuk found out, you may not all to be pleased with the answer initially. God replies with, with a message of hope to begin with. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe. So God's saying, be patient because... I will do amazing things. Before that, the Babylonians are going to invade you. And God gives a pretty scary description of that, if I say so myself. He says, 
I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and penetrous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong, their horsemen comes from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. And they sweep past at the wind and go on guilty men whose own strength is their God. Now, I think I'd have a similar response to Habakkuk when I, when I read this answer from God. He says along the lines, are you crazy? Why are you doing this to your people? They're more evil than us. I know we're pretty bad, but you know, they're much worse. Now, what the Babylonians didn't know, well, we'll never know, what Habakkuk didn't know at that moment was that God was using the Babylonians to bring Judah back to him. He says um, in verse 6 to 11, wait, no? It's important to remember, <laughs> evil is self-destructive, and it's never beyond God's control, although it may seem like it, which is important to remember today as it was back then in Habakkuk's time. To recap, Habakkuk complains to God, and, God, and God's answer to Habakkuk was the same he'd give us, which is to be patient. He will work out his plans with his perfect timing, it is important to remember God hates evil even more than us do. Even more than us. So what we can do is trust God is in control and that hardship will utterly, hardship he will utterly amaze us of his plan. Yeah. Moving on to the second part, the watch. Habakkuk begins the um, second chapter by saying, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to his complaint. Now the watch or the watchtower is often used by prophets to show an attitude of expectation. This is Habakkuk's attitude as he waited patiently for God, expecting him to answer. The symbolism of the watchtower here is, a, is that a watchtower is used as a way to spot incoming enemies or messengers from a distance. This means that Habakkuk wanted to be in the best position he could to receive God's message. This is important to many time, too many times for me as I've put myself not in the best position or place to expect to hear what God has to say to me. For quite a long time, I would um, pray before I go to bed, like a good little Christian youth, and um, I'd ask God, i say, thank you, God, for the day, and i ask him all these questions and complain to him. It's like, why, why am I in this situation? Why am I in this turmoil? And after saying all these complaints, I just never gave him time to answer. I just fall straight asleep and expected him to answer, like a big, booming voice throughout the day. But a few years ago, I started thinking God was more of a silent God. I couldn't, I couldn't be more wrong. And my relationship has grown, as a lot of people's in the Bible, by being patient and waiting on God to answer your questions, and not just expecting him to jump out at you when you're not even listening for him. Um, I just want to highlight a few examples where waiting and trusting in God comes in the Bible. You might have heard a few of these names. have got Abraham, Joseph. Moses, Job, and of course, God himself, Jesus. Just near a few powerhouses of the Bible, if you didn't think. If you thought Habakkuk was the only one who had to wait for God to do his will. Um, I saw it like this. I love coffee. Uh, quite a aficionado if it comes to coffee. I do love uh, instant coffee, but it's not as good as the one in town at Cooper's. <laughs> no, offense, no offense to the coffee people here. I love the coffee. I love the coffee. All right, don't, don't dig yourself in the hole, Will. Don't dig yourself in the hole. Anyway, instant coffee, it's great, but it takes quite a short time. But paying a bit more and waiting a bit longer for that coffee in town is 
are really nice. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to uh, the vision now. Before I upset anyone, um, God begins this answer. No, God begins his answer after Habakkuk waited by telling Habakkuk to write it down because he knows it's important. Mind you, any word from God is going to be pretty important. He says, write, this down, write, write the revelation down and make it plain on tablets that a herald may run with a messenger for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. In this vision, um, God's talking about the end of Babylonians and why they will end. He begins by saying, oh, this, this sign's taken from the NLT, I think it was just a bit easy to understand. He says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. The answer in part, this, this answer is in part, well, this whole vision answers in part, Habakkuk's confusion on why God is using the Babylonians and what happened to his people because of their pride. This answer from God was all about trust and trusting to know why God was doing this to his people and trusting that his plans are far greater than any plans we could have ever imagined. As he said, as he said his righteous will live by their faith. Or he said back in chapter 1, which is really cool, look at nations, be utterly amazed, I'm going to make in your days. I would not believe, even if you were told. When I was reading this, it really opened my eyes to the previous moments in my life where I would ask the same question. Why God are you doing this to me and why am I in this situation? If you really love me, why am I struggling? It's not until now I see I was never alone in my loneliness or pain or whatever situation I was in because God was with me. And I did trust him during that time, not because I'm an amazing Christian, just because he was something I could always rely on. Like he, I knew him by my heart he was always there and as a backbone. However, the Babylonians trusted themselves, which is never a good idea. And fake idols, which was eventually their downfall, highlighting again, no evil is ever beyond God's control. It says in the um, chapter two, woe to him who says wood come to life, or lifeless stone wake up. Can it give guidance? Is it covered with gold and silver? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. But Lord, in this holy temple, will let all the earth be silent before him. I want to highlight this verse because it... Yeah, I want to highlight this verse because um, it shows how idols remain silent, but they cannot answer. But God, he does answer us, as we see in Habakkuk, and he does give us guidance if we just listen. In summary, God wants us to trust him, as he wants to show you great things. He's going, great things he's going to do after or during whatever situation you're in. And even though you may be in the valley sometimes, there will also be times where you stand tall on mountains. And this is where we meet Habakkuk in the final chapter. It's all about rejoicing God. Almost done. Habakkuk begins this chapter with praising God to answering his questions that evil will not triumph forever. Quite, quite a bit, but not forever. God is in control and that he can be trusted to vindicate those who have faith. However, when I first read this, I did think this guy's a bit too happy considering God just told him that his, his land was going to be invaded and it's only going to get much worse before it gets better. What really impressed me here in this chapter, though, is that Habakkuk accepted God's will. <laughs> which is not always the easiest thing to do from personal experience, I'm sure. Some of you realise that as well. He did not try and escape God's discipline, but he accepted that Judah needed to be taught a lesson. I mean, I'm no parent, obviously, but I remember being disciplined a lot, a lot. But I always knew that my mum and dad loved me because they disciplined me one moment and showed me they loved me by making me dinner, which is always a good way to do it, or just straight up telling me. The punishment was my own good, thanks to them, um, I haven't got a full-blown biscuit addiction, but I've got a pretty strong one. But to finish, I want to read the reading one more time, because I think it's pretty cool. 
I heard my heart pounding, my lips quivered at the sound decay, crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. So the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes in the vine, and though the olive crops fail, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. The, yeah, it's good. I mean, the crop failure mentioned and the deaf animals is pretty daunting. I mean, knowing that you, you're going to go hungry, you're going to suffer. However, Habakkuk said he will rejoice and trust God. And he also says that the Lord is my strength and makes my feet like a deer. So when trouble seems vast in the situation, maybe look to God and say thanks. And ask for strength from God and for him to give you sure-footedness of a deer. In other words, sure-footedness and confidence through rough times. This brings me back, this brings me back to my learning of this book, one of my new house groups now. I was, expecting the world, I was expecting the worst and was waiting for it to be a boring session. However, when God spoke to me through Habakkuk, I rejoiced in the fact that God speaks today and situations I've been in waiting or something God's promised, promised me. He is there waiting for the perfect time and give us what he promised. Now, I know this talk was probably the most memorable talk you've ever heard, but I made these um, bookmarks, and there's like little slips of paper, um, just for people at the end, just to help remind that we face burdens, and at times it doesn't always seem like God is with us. But being patient and getting a good position for God to do his will in your life. And when God answers, listen, and trust in him, for his plan will always be good. And rejoice because God is good. And even though what he promised may seem far away or hard, it's, it will arrive and it will be for the best. Thank you.